The Office of Congressional Workplace Rights is little more than a year into reforms and expansion that Congress itself ordered in 2018. It's done a pretty good job at implementing them as it transitioned from its former incarnation as the Office of Compliance. Now the Government Accountability Office has done an assessment of the OCWR's progress. Joining me with the highlights, the GAO's Director of Strategic Issues, Yvonne Jones. Ms. Jones, good to have you back. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to talk about the report. Now, this agency, it only has 28 employees, I guess, was given a great expansion of duties following the Me Too movement that turned out to be something that Capitol Hill was dealing with, correct? That's correct. So Congress ordered a lot of changes, including a change in name. But what else did it need for this office to to do and to become? Well, the Reform Act, it it had a number of changes. And, for example, uh, it amended the procedures for initiating, reviewing, and resolving claims about violations of employee rights and protections, including sexual harassment, among other things. It also eliminated the counseling that used to be required under the procedures. It changed the administrative dispute resolution process, and it removed the waiting period prior to an employee being able to file a claim. Unpaid staff are now uh, also protected under the reform. And OCWR was asked to develop and implement training on rights and protections uh, under the Act and to help legislative offices develop their training programs. And you looked at how well the Office of Congressional Workplace Rights implemented several management reforms. Tell us what you found there. OCWR was actually asked to do four different things. So they needed to change the administrative dispute resolution process, as I I mentioned earlier, which they did. They completed that. They were required to appoint a confidential advisor. They completed that. They were required to create a secure electronic claims reporting system, and they did complete that. It was a little bit late, but um, they were able to do that. There was a fourth requirement, which they did not complete according to the time frame. And I should have said that the time frame was six months, basically, from the passage of the Act. So the date by which these these different actions were due was June 19, 2019. So the fourth element that they did not complete was to establish and maintain a program for permanent record retention. So yes, they completed three out of four. Well, given the time frame, that's probably mm-hmm. better than average of what we've seen across the federal government over the years. Um, I guess I'm not quite in a position to talk about average better than, better than average. Let me just say that in, in our discussions with the OCWR, we did note that they worked very hard to complete the requirements on time because they created 21 task forces. Each task force had a manager overseeing what was being done. The task forces met once a week throughout this this whole period. So they devoted a great deal of their resources to trying to meet the requirements of the Act. And what OCWR said to us was in those areas where they had more experience uh, under their prior regulations, they were able to more quickly and thoroughly complete those actions. So like changing the administrative dispute resolution and appointing a confidential advisor. In areas where they had less experience or they had fewer technical staff, they were not able to move quite as quickly. So that affected the creation of the 
electronic claims reporting system, and also the establishment of the permanent record retention system. Yes, they did quite a lot. We're speaking with Yvonne Jones. She is the Director of Strategic Issues at the Government Accountability Office. And so what do they need to do next? What are your recommendations? Okay, well, we we have six recommendations because we did note that OCWR did need, there are a number of areas in which they need to improve their management practices, their ability to identify and respond to risks. And also, we thought that in in a number of, of areas, they did not have adequate, clearly stated strategic objectives and that they don't have performance measures which allowed them to assess their progress. We also felt that they could do much better in terms of project planning, certainly for information technology issues, but also in other areas. So we asked them to develop a schedule of tasks related to IT that can be documented and updated throughout the life cycle of IT projects. Also to identify and assess risks in establishing and maintaining the permanent records retention program and develop policies to ensure the risks are addressed. Um, also to identify their desired performance results and develop performance measures and demonstrate the extent to which the results that they desired were achieved on an annual basis. Also to collect relevant data through surveys and other methods to evaluate the effectiveness of their training and outreach efforts across the legislative branch. Also to integrate information technology planning and implementation into strategic planning and also to incorporate key strategic human capital management practices, including recruiting and retaining staff with mission-critical skills, like people who have project management capability and have IT and cybersecurity skills. Yeah, so when it comes to IT, a 28-person agency seems to have the same problems as a 28,000-person agency. (laughs) Well... Maybe on a smaller scale, but yes, I think it's fair to say that there are, you know, at a conceptual level, there are some similarities. Did it occur to them or to GAO or has anyone brought up the issue of whether such a tiny agency should have its own IT or should simply share capabilities with much larger agencies that have capacity to spare? That's an issue that's been brought up and discussed. Um, GAO actually has under preparation a separate report which is looking more broadly and in greater depth at the information technology system and cybersecurity issues and potential links to information technology partners that OCWR has. So those kinds of questions will be more fully addressed. Because the cybersecurity and privacy issues, even though the agency is tiny, it's dealing with extremely sensitive information in many cases about individuals. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they recognize that. They they know that uh, they need to be careful. In fact, the agency itself said, and you know, in terms of being able to establish and maintain a program for permanent record retention, one of their major concerns or one of the major risks they've identified is their ability to protect personally identifiable information. So yes, even though I would say they have a smaller information technology staff, certainly at a conceptual and management level, they understand that that's a big issue for them. But zooming back out to the bigger issue, is it fair, uh-huh. would it be accurate to say that in terms of the mission that got expanded by Congress, they are basically meeting it, but it sounds like they have to backfill with some of the management 
structures to make sure that what they're doing is sustained in the proper way? Well, certainly they, they have gone quite a distance in terms of initially meeting the objectives of the legislation. You know, we we would not say that they have fulfilled the objectives until they have been able to implement for a while because, you know, there's it's one thing to conceptualize design and put in place measures and then you have to see how effective they are. So we would say it will take a bit of time before the effectiveness of what they're doing can be assessed. And part of the reason that we said that one of their the management areas needing strengthening is performance measurement because they need to clearly identify objectives and then determine what kind of measures would allow them to know how much they've achieved. And then they need to report on that, we felt, on an, on an annual basis to their congressional oversight committee. So I would say let's give them a bit of time to implement before we make an assessment. But basically you can't improve what you don't measure. That's correct. Yvonne Jones is Director of Strategic Issues at the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much. You are very welcome. We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week. So patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.